Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Have faith. That's what my husband Robert says when I feel anxious about crucial household matters. Will the furnace last through the winter? (laughs) Will the commuter train be on time? Have faith. He doesn't mean religious faith but something different, a kind of basic confidence and trust in the future. Things will be all right, in other words. Things are already all right. Not to worry. Have faith. We never really know what the next minute, next hour, next week, next month, next year, next decade will bring us. So we have to have some sort of elemental faith in the cosmos, or we live in a state of perpetual anxiety, and paralysis. Yes, we could be hit by a car or struck by lightning today, but if we lived in perpetual fear of such an accident, we'd never get out of bed in the morning in the first place. As Sharon Salzberg has written, no matter what we encounter in life, it is faith that enables us to try again, to trust again, to love again. Even in times of immense suffering, it is faith that enables us to relate to the present moment in such a way that we can go on. We can move forward instead of becoming lost in resignation or despair. This summer, I spent a month in Lithuania and Latvia with a group of students from my university. We were studying the recent history of the Baltic region. For the most part, it is not a happy story. Time and again in the 20th century, those who lived here endured unimaginable catastrophe. War ravaged the region in World War I with enormous loss of life and property. Things got much worse when Stalin's Red Army occupied the countries in 1940 and started executing or deporting thousands of those who opposed communism to Siberia. A year later, the Nazi armies arrived. We visited the site of the Ninth Fort outside Kaunas, where a hulking monument commemorates the slaughter of nearly 100,000 Lithuanian Jews on the spot. Sadly, many Lithuanians assisted the Nazis in carrying out this atrocity. A few years later, Stalin's Red Army returned with a vengeance, with another horrific round of executions, deportations, and oppression of the local population. Only with the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 did these countries finally emerge from this seemingly endless nightmare. Amazingly, the Lithuanians and Latvians managed to retain a strong sense of identity, defiance, and purpose despite 50 years of mechanized repression. 
Today, they live in independent and prosperous countries. One day in class, after days of hearing about this Job-like tale of national woe, one of my students asked simply, so how did they manage to survive all this? The answer lies mainly in faith. In Lithuania, an overwhelmingly Catholic nation, the maintenance of Catholic religious tradition was strongly linked to national identity and language. At the Hill of Crosses near the city of Shaoli, Lithuanians continued to put up new homemade crosses despite repeated bulldozing of the site by occupying Soviet forces. These naive crosses were powerful symbols of faith. Soon after the fall of communism, Pope John Paul, who had grown up under communist oppression in neighboring Poland, visited the Hill of Crosses. He paid tribute to the faith and courage it took to maintain and repeatedly rebuild it. This faith sustained Lithuanians even as they were sent on boxcars across the entire length of Russia to the frozen Arctic North. When they arrived, exhausted and starving, they were commanded to build their own houses, digging desperately in the permafrost. In her novel, Between Shades of Grey, Ruta Sepetis, the descendant of Lithuanian refugees, tells the story of one family sent into Siberian exile and how they managed to survive. They clung to each other and to their national and religious traditions like the drowning to life preservers. Some wars are about bombing, writes Sepetis. For the people of the Baltics, this war was about believing. They chose hope over hate and showed the world that even through the darkest night, there is light. For Sepetis, faith is love. Both love and faith are irrational emotions, intimately bound up with trust and hope. Like people, faith comes in many varieties. One is what I would call everyday garden variety faith. That's the sort of pedestrian but essential faith that makes us feel confident that when we wake up in the morning, the house will still be there, the car will still be in the driveway, the sky will still be blue, and summer will come again next year. This kind of faith expresses confidence or trust in a person or a thing. Another kind of faith is more spiritual and, most important, not based on proof. This is the irrational and emotional sort of faith, the kind, when we mean, the kind we mean when we use expressions like blind faith or leap of faith. We take some things on faith because there's no other option, otherwise life would be impossible. If we required proof of everything, we would never believe anything, writes Lee Smolin. This idea also expresses the basic mystery of human life. How did we get here anyway, on this planet floating in the middle of an unfathomably large universe? Some basic questions of our existence don't have clear answers, and that's where faith comes in. It connects us as earthbound, finite beings with the unknown infinite and to ultimate concerns. 
true, this emotional aspect of faith can cause trouble. All faiths do harm, writes skeptical British philosopher Bertrand Russell. We may define faith as a firm belief in something for which there is no evidence. Where there is evidence, no one speaks of faith. We do not speak of faith that two and two are four, or that the earth is round. We only speak of faith when we wish to substitute emotion for evidence. The substitution of emotions, emotion for evidence is apt to lead to strife, since different groups substitute different emotions. Unfortunately, we see ample evidence of this faith intolerance around the world today. Faith is often confused with religion, but of course they're not the same. Faith as religion originates in our need to find some explanations for the unanswerable questions. But the enormous diversity of religions demonstrates that this urge for faith can take many different forms. What all religious faiths share is a belief in a higher power that cannot be seen or touched or proven. Listen to this guidance from 2 Corinthians. For we live by faith, not by sight. By faith, not by sight. So there is something mystical and extrasensory about faith. Even more, many writings on faith stress that by having faith, we make good or even miraculous things happen. Think of the athletes competing now in the Olympics. They have to have faith that their years of training and sacrifice will produce results. But if they didn't do all that training and sacrifice, their faith would be misplaced. So, you have to make regular deposits into your faith account, or there will be nothing to withdraw when you need it. Especially in biblical accounts, faith also has a self-fulfilling aspect. If we have faith, we can make amazing things happen. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus cures an epileptic boy. His disciples are amazed. They ask Jesus, why can't we do it too? Because of your little faith, he replies. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move hence to yonder place, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Even Marxists and communists have faith. Yes, they adopt Marx's view that religion is the opium of the masses. But they also put their faith in Marx's theory that a utopian communist society will eventually arise following certain inevitable economic and political stages. This too provided Marxists with a comforting belief in the future. I remember well how when I was spending time in the Soviet Union, I would see everywhere huge billboards with the slogan, forward to the radiant communist future. This faith was no less irrational or emotional than the Catholic belief in heaven and hell. We hear the word faith used a lot these days. At the recent Republican and Democratic conventions, many speakers invoked the idea of faith to appeal to their supporters. We heard phrases like people of faith and faith-based community. But what they seemed to mean was organized religion, 
conveying a respect for those who are deeply involved with a particular denomination. At the same time, as Americans, we must believe that all citizens are entitled to their own kind of faith. Having my own faith should not mean minimizing or belittling the faith of others, whatever that may be. Many who study faith observe that having faith is a risky enterprise and takes courage because doubt is always stalking faith. In his book, Dynamics of Faith, theologian Paul Tillich put it this way. Courage as an element of faith is the daring self-affirmation of one's own being, in spite of the powers of non-being, which are the heritage of everything finite. Where there is daring and courage, there is the possibility of failure. And in every act of failure, this possibility is present. Sometimes we have to wait a very long time for our faith to be rewarded or affirmed. Sometimes it never happens at all. And this brings us to one of the central dilemmas around faith. How can those who endure prolonged, unjust, and painful suffering continue to have faith? In situations of suffering and injustice like the one I described in Lithuania, the community of faith that binds those who are suffering together can be essential, even life-saving. In his classic novel about life in a Soviet labor camp, one day in the life of Ivan Denisevich. Alexander Solzhenitsyn describes how those prisoners who retained religious faith fared better than those without it in surviving prison terms that could last for a decade or more. The Baptist Alyoshka tells the skeptical Ivan Denisevich, the trouble is Ivan Denisevich, you don't pray hard enough and that's why your prayers don't work out. You must pray unceasing and you have to have faith and tell the mountain to move, and if you have faith and tell the mountain to move, it will move. Faith takes work. Like exercise, it requires repetition and good habits. We could call them habits of hope. If we don't do this work, we risk ending up like Chicken Little, running around shouting, the sky is falling. We need courage to face the unknowns of mortality, illness, suffering, and evil. Faith is not only a compendium of beliefs, it is a world view and a way of thinking. Faith is about living and, yes, about positive thinking. Finally, faith also needs symbols to thrive, like the Hill of Crosses in Lithuania. On a recent trip to Seville, my husband Robert and I saw another one we visited the city's famous Catholic cathedral. It was built around an existing minaret and the remains of a mosque constructed by the region's Muslim conquerors. So the cathedral already symbolizes the universality of faith, whether Christian or Muslim. At the top of the reconstructed bell tower, the Giralda stands a bronze weather vane of a woman dressed in Roman attire with a shield in one hand and a palm branch in the other. But here's the most surprising detail. The lady is pregnant. The weather vane, and here's the amazing part, is called faith. It has played a huge role in forming Seville's history and identity. And what a powerful symbol, combining the ideas of mystery, expectation, uncertainty, and hope in the future. And of course, this was before DNA testing, so we wouldn't know what the sex of the child was either. 
Let me close with this thought. As Unitarian Universalists, we sometimes struggle with the idea of the divine and the holy. We have trouble with symbols. But in our emphasis on service and humanity, we put our trust, our faith, in the basic goodness of others and the importance of community. No, we don't know what might happen tomorrow, but we do know we can call on each other for spiritual support. We have faith in each other and in our shared cause. So, keep the faith, brothers and sisters. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.